Welcome to this week's episode of Quiddity on the Circe Podcast Network, where we engage in the classical spirit of inquiry. I'm your guide, Brandon LeBlanc, and I am here again with John Hodges, our music man. It's been a little while, but uh, we are, we're glad to have you back. Thanks for joining us, John. Thank you so much, Brandon. Good to see you again. I'm looking forward to this. Me too. Me too. It's been uh, it's been a few months since we've had a chance to to talk about uh, a piece of music. So, as many of you who have been listening know, John's been coming on to to do these spots for us, uh, kind of walking us through pieces of music, helping us learn how to listen. And it really started a little over a year ago when John did a presentation like this uh, live for the audience at the Circe National Conference um, in 2022. Mm-hmm. And then he and I had a, a little interview afterwards that we that we aired as well on this podcast, uh, talking about that or my, my follow up questions, I guess I should say from that. But we thought we'd go back and revisit that piece because it is it is a kind of a a nice piece to do this way. The, the length of it works well, and um, and it's a great, it's just a fun piece. So uh, we mm-hmm. are going to be talking about the uh, Firebird, but I will let uh, John take over from here and give us a little bit of introduction about it. Very good. Very good. Yeah, we talked, uh, we've done one on uh, Mozart. Didn't we do the magic of, um, uh, no, not magic flute. Uh, uh, Marriage uh, of Figaro. Marriage yeah. of Figaro, right. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, um, and what was the other one? We did two, right? We did one, uh, Bernstein, uh, the... Um... Oh, the Chichester song. Yes, yes, the songs. Yeah, yes, love those, love those. Very good. Well, this is a ballet, and I'm crazy about ballet. I couldn't dance a step of ballet if they held a gun to my head. <laughs> But from the pit, I love the music for ballet, and I love what these great dancers can do. It's amazing to me. They're like super athletes to be able to uh, uh, do all the things that they do. Um, anyway, the story of the Firebird is a, a, a kind of a combination of several Russian folk tales uh, into one story that I think Stravinsky put together himself or with help from the from the choreographer uh, and so on. There, you may know the the famous empresario uh, Sergei Diaghilev. Uh, in the early part of the 20th century, Diaghilev was uh, the uh, director of the Ballet Russe uh, in Paris. And he did uh, all of these uh, great Stravinsky ballets that are so famous. He did three of them right in a row. First of all, the Firebird, the one we're gonna talk about. Okay. The second one, called Petrushka, uh, which is about uh, uh, Commedia dell'arte uh, puppets. Mm. Um, and then the third one is maybe the most famous, is called The Rite of Spring, the Sacre du Printemps. And uh, they were big hits uh, and made Stravinsky the composer, the famous composer that we know today. Well, this first of them, I think, is the most lyrical and the most beautiful and the most touching, I think. Uh, and it's a fairy tale, Russian fairy tale. And I like fairy tales. So uh, let me tell you a little bit about this, the story that he put together, and then we'll play through some of the music. How about that? Sounds good. The story goes that we start out in a dark wood in the garden of, of uh, the forest around um, an evil wizard's castle. And our hero is Prince Ivan, and he's he appears uh, in this garden, in this forest, and comes across this evil wizard's castle. Um, the evil Kachai is his name, uh, and Ivan first comes across a magical firebird, very colorful, 
uh, bird that he, he is fascinated by and he's out hunting anyway. So he wants to catch this firebird. And so he finds a way to do it, chases, chases her down. It's a female dancer that's the firebird, catches her finally, and she pleads for her escape. And he has pity on her and she's beautiful and he wants to let her go. But the, but the firebird says, if you'll let me go, I'll give you this one of my feathers and you keep it. And anytime you find yourself in trouble, just take that feather and wave it in the air and I will come and help you. So he lets the firebird go and off she flits. Well, then he comes across the evil, the evil uh, guy's castle. And he seems to be um, somebody who can turn people to stone. Sounds a little bit like the uh, the White Witch, you know, in the end of the Narnia book, uh, Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe. So many people in the courtyard there that are turned to stone. But he also seems to be a kidnapper of princesses. And he has 13 princesses that are all locked up in the walls, within the walls of this, this uh, uh, castle. And they arrive on the scene. And they start what they call a round dance, these 13 princesses who are captives. Well, our, our Prince Ivan falls in love with one of them, and he wants to try and meet her. And in going over the wall and into the courtyard out there to see if she can't meet up with this girl, who should come along but the evil wizard himself? Well... Chases, chases our guy, Yvonne, around and threatens him. Uh, and Yvonne remembers the, the firebird uh, uh, feather. So he takes it out and he waves it in the air. And sure enough, this magical firebird comes. And, and what the firebird is able to do is to cast a spell over this evil guy and all of his henchmen, because he's got a lot of evil henchmen. And they all are... Are, are magically transformed into dancers. They have to, they're sort of forced into this magical dance and it gets faster and faster and faster until they're finally all exhausted. And that's how the prince is able to escape. They don't catch him. Uh, so that, that happens. Well, while they're asleep, the firebird tells uh, Prince Ivan how to destroy the soul of this seemingly immortal uh, evil catch eye fellow. Uh, and he has, uh, there's several, several different versions of the story, but the one I've heard the most is uh, that there's an egg, a large egg uh, in, in treasure trove somewhere in the castle that has the evil guy's soul in it. And if you were able to capture that egg and break it open, then the evil catch eye fellow would die. <laughs> and so that's what he does. So there's a happy ending because when he dies, uh, he breaks the egg and then the soul is, escapes and the evil guy dies. When he dies, all of those who are enslaved to him or in either the, the, the other princesses and all of the uh, stone guests, as it were, around the courtyard all come back to life. So they're all far uh, uh, saved and so on. And then finally, uh, the Yvonne and the princess can go and get married and live happily ever after. So that's the, that's the story of the show. Now, the music is just wonderful. Let me tell you just a heck, I, I don't want to go too long into history, but there's loads to say. Um, Stravinsky 
was uh, the student of a fellow called Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov. Rimsky-Korsakov was one of the greatest uh, of Russian composers and a great orchestrator. He knew how to mix instruments together to come up with interesting colors, sounds, and so on. And much of that, including uh, a love for Russian folk tunes, he passed on to Stravinsky, his student. Uh, and some people say that when he wrote The Firebird, Stravinsky finally uh, surpasses his teacher. It's one of the greatest examples, I think, of uh, orchestration, uh, certainly. And uh, and he, he even I think he even borrows a tune or two from Rimsky and puts it into the into the show. But he develops all those things so well that it's a wonderful, wonderful piece of music. Well, um, it, and it, 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 along with the Rite of Spring, I think, have inspired a lot of other works in the 20th century. So when you hear this, it may sound similar to, say, some film scores or uh, other pieces that you know, uh, but they are, um, this is what came first. This piece was written in 1910, so just after the turn of the century. And I think Patrushka was the next year in, in 11 or 12, and then uh, the famous opening of the, the Rite of Spring uh, premiere happened in, uh, uh, 20, uh, in uh, uh, 1913. So within about four years, he wrote all these and had them performed, and they were all stellar, stellar uh, works. Okay, so in the piece we hear, I'm going to play you a few little excerpts from it. The whole ballet might be 30 minutes, something like that, uh, but he made a what they call a suite out of the ballet music. You've heard of the Nutcracker Suite. Mm -hmm. Well, Nutcracker is the name of the ballet. But if you take excerpts from the ballet and play them in concert version, that's a suite where you put them together, you see. And so many people think that the, the ballet is called the Nutcracker Suite, but it's actually just called the Nutcracker. Mm -hmm. This, too, is called the Firebird. But then what I'm going to play for you is excerpts from uh, the ballet in within a, a, a suite that he put together for concert. Uh, performance. Okay. And I've conducted this several times, and it's a tremendous joy to, to conduct. It's lots of fun. So what we start out with is music that uh, describes the dark forest that we're in to begin with. Let me just play you a little of that. It's very soft, and it's very uh, mysterious. if you can hear it. Mm -hmm. Out of the low strings, he has the trombones. stop it there for a minute just to show you what uh, Stravinsky is doing first of all the orchestration of it is uh, the cellos and the basses in the orchestra playing uh, in octaves 
and he has half of the basses bowing the string and the other half of the basses plucking the string Hmm. And on the same on the same pitches, so you get a little articulation for each of the notes. Like that. Now, if you can hear that little figure, you know that it is an, it outlines a particular interval, an interval of the augmented fourth. It's I don't know whether you can hear this or not. I didn't ask. Think about this. Can you hear that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, hear that that interval there. That interval. It's it's what they call uh, an augmented fourth, and it's a, a an interval that is um, unstable, un unsteady. It could go in any direction. It's mysterious, harmonically speaking, and he knew that very well. So he writes a descending figure down. Like that, and then he writes a different ascending figure and gets you back to that same pitch again. So that's what you're hearing from the basses and the cellos. Then, after he goes through that a couple of bars, he adds the violas an octave higher, so you hear it even more well defined. And underneath all of that mysterious repetition, like that, you have a bass drum roll. There's a very soft mallet that they use on the head of the bass drum, and it just goes like that underneath all of it. So it gives it a kind of tension uh, to everything. So that's how we introduce the, the storyline. It's a magical place. It's a mysterious place. Uh, and it's all based on that interval. And what you're going to hear as this, the rest of the music goes is all sorts of variations on that interval. That interval is going to show up in different ways throughout the piece. So this next bit you're going to hear right now where I stopped it is where our hero Ivan, Ivan, uh, arrives on the scene. See if you can see him appear. And back to the mysterious thing. Building in intensity until you see the firebird. And here she is. And then he writes for the flute to play that figure. And the oboe.
Can you still hear that figure? Well, he wants to catch this firebird, so he needs to sneak up on her and try and grab her. gets up close to her, he tries to get her and chases her. And there she goes, flurrying. He can't quite catch her yet, and she has a dance of her own. And here she is, dancing. scene that's the her dance and that's the, the hunt the, the chase scene and you hear all the fluttering and it's, it's fantastic orchestration it's the flutes trilling and running up and down the scale along with the clarinets underneath and and the french horns and so on and all of them uh, uh with with string accompaniment underneath string with tremolos in the in the strings that is going on on the uh you probably can't see my hands can you um <laughs> The uh, the uh, uh, playing two notes together very quickly, like that little fluttering sounds, and uh, he's he's done a masterful job of making that bird come to life. If you can imagine a girl, a dancer in a costume that's very got feathers, you know, and mm, and yeah. headdress, yeah. very colorful uh, feathers and everything, it's uh, marvelous to see. There are video uh, versions on YouTube that you can dig up and watch uh, that very scene. It's a delightful scene. Well, the next part, after he's met the firebird, caught her and gotten the feather, and he goes on to uh, uh, to see the, the castle itself, and he sees these 13 princesses, then you have one of the most beautiful melodies, I think, in all of 20th century music. This is uh, a tune, very Russian-sounding folk tune, uh, that he writes for the princesses and for their what they call round dance. The great oboe solo. Isn't that graceful? Mm -hmm. 
he has the strings play it, this tune. to hear it again. in its lower register is so beautiful and rich and soft, French horn. Now the string section plays together. You'll notice that their sound is muted. They have mutes on their, on their uh, violins and cello, violas. has that kind of nasally sound, so it's very subdued. This beautiful melody end in the suite, we go straight into that dance that the firebird makes the bad guys all dance. And it's one of the great jump moments in music. I've conducted this several times, and at this point, I almost always hear someone scream because it's so sudden. Watch, watch, you'll see. That's the end of the Firebird's dance. I mean, the, the princess dance, excuse me. French one.
there. It sounds like the, what they're playing is on the beat. Dom dom bom bom bum 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 like that. But it's not. It's all off the beat. It's one bum dum 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 dum. Can you see that? Bum 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 bum. So it's off the beat. It's it's a wonderful syncopated. Uh, melody and he has uh has the low brass playing it's very dangerous sounding very energized and 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 uh, and uh gruff and uh this is the dance that they are sort of forced into doing by the magic of the firebird well um he writes for the for the string basses to play octaves uh very quickly like that, very fast. And it's all that gives it a sort of unstable, stable feeling too. Rumble and tough and tum- rough and tumble kind of feel. And then on top of that, he has the trombones uh, playing bum 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 like that. And if you listen carefully, if you hear that note and that that note, it's that same augmented fourth interval. Bum, 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 bum. And that feels very unstable harmonically, like the beginning of the piece. So that's what we're hearing. Now, what happens in this movement is that it gets faster and faster and faster and faster and faster until it's just flying along. I want to play you the very end of it. It's, it, it's probably the longest movement in the, in the suite. It might be six or seven minutes or so uh, of the suite. But uh, to save us time, I'll play from the middle to the end. This is probably about right. Yeah, here we go. In the concert hall, it needs to be very loud. You're probably not gonna get to hear it properly here. Now we start getting faster.
and they all collapse. And then and Prince Ivan is saved from their attack. This moment of suspension as the firebird comes down and begins to sing a lullaby to the evil Kachai who's there asleep to keep them all asleep. And one of the most famous bassoon solos in the 20th century. Some strings, really high notes. And everyone's asleep. This is a technique in strings called tremolo. And you hear this, they're repeating very fast. One note down the button. Yeah. 
This is one of the most glorious French horn solos in the 20th century. Light is dawning. being brought out of their stone and back to life again. Princesses are being released from the cell. Celebration. Ladies and gentlemen, is the Firebird. So much fun! It's good stuff. Some wonderful stuff. What's What's great is to what What is nice with the ballets is it is. Uh, I know you're mentioning being down in the pit, and and um, it is really a great entry point for trying to 
get some of this musical literature, literacy and understanding because you have that visual to help so much with the ballets right. that kind of can right. bring you in and kind of, you know, for the, for most of us who are, who are mostly ex- better experiencing things with our eyeballs and, and it gives us something tactical to kind of tact, tactile to kind of grab onto with it, the visuals. And it's it's great. I mean, you can see the story playing out. Even even not seeing it in front of me, I can knowing the fairy tale that you gave us at the beginning, you can see that playing out in the music. So it's very imaginative, isn't it? I mean, your yeah. imagination can see all those all those scenes. That's that's what's great about literature too, isn't it? You you don't actually see it, uh, but you imagine it. Uh, yeah, in, yeah. Out of the descriptions, uh, and since you're not seeing the ballet right now, you're just relying on my description. Uh, but you can still use your imagination uh, to to do that. Um, so yeah, I, but I I advise it. And if you ever get a chance to go and see a, a production of it, a ballet production of it, it's worth it. Uh, of course, the music is much longer than I played you. I just played sure. some excerpts of the suite, and the suite is shorter than the ballet. So, but the whole ballet isn't very long. Twenty, 30, I mean, thirty, forty minutes, maybe the most, something like okay. that. Okay, it's a act ballet. Okay. Um, yeah, I I think it's so so interesting how well the fairy tales um, translate uh, as far as are, are adapted to the ballet, both musically and visually. Um, yeah, and and even with the suites, I you know I, I can I've over the, I, my sister danced uh, growing up, and so oh, is that right? Uh, so I've seen the, but I've seen that means I've seen the Nutcracker many 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 times from very good productions to some you know. <laughs> childish productions um but sure, sure. Uh, but it means even with the suite now i can see the whole story as the suite goes through because i'm i've familiarized myself with those the individual pieces and the individual oh, oh scenes right. that go along sure sure and so it's really a lot of fun i'm glad we, i'm glad we i'm glad we did this one again on on the air for everybody here so yeah yeah thanks for letting me talk about this one i like it a lot i like it a lot and i like fairy tales a lot too just yes. In- yeah. Uh, well, you're in good company, I think, with our, with our audience on that one. So, yeah, <laughs> that's great. Uh, if we've got a minute, I'd love to tell you about my my own work. That's uh, fairy tale work. Yeah, I was going to say we've talked often on here about about the work you do at the uh, Center for Western Studies, but um, you obviously come on here in a, in a in a music capacity with us, and that's because you are also a composer and. Uh, you've had a pretty exciting project going on for uh, well, over a year now, I think, right? And so now it's getting... Oh, yeah, longer than that. We started working on this musical, uh, golly, it's over a decade ago, I'm sure. Okay. But in the last three years or so, we've really taken off with a musical that a partner and I have written uh, based loosely on the story of Rumpelstiltskin, the fairy tale Rumpelstiltskin. Excellent. And we've written, uh, I think we have 18 songs uh, in the show. And uh, we have um, been working with a New York production company in the last couple of years. We've done a couple of workshops on it in New York with Broadway actors uh, singing our material, our work, and reading our script and so on. And we uh, are looking, the next step for the program is to, uh, uh, is to find a developmental theater that will pick it up and, and help us get it on its feet and do a full-blown production. Um, we have several theaters that we're looking to right now. And one actually that contacted us, heard about it and actually contacted us. So that was very encouraging. 
But in the meantime, the, the production company uh, is interested in um, promoting the music uh, and kind of keeping what they call the buzz going in New York about mm-hmm. our music. And uh, what they want to do is have what they call a cabaret concert version of the songs, many of the songs from our show. So uh, December 6th, we are going to be in New York, in Manhattan, doing uh, a reading, a, 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 a singing through a, a dozen or so of the songs from our show. And uh, we are hoping to cast it with a lot of very famous Broadway actors. Uh, uh, that's that's our that's our hope. We've we've been working with some Broadway actors, and we're hoping some of them will be able to to continue with us uh, on it. Uh, for example, one of the guys that was singing with us was the genie uh, in uh, the Broadway version of Aladdin for many years. Uh, we had, an, had other people from different musicals. One of the, the fellow who's singing Rumpelstiltskin for us uh, is in the cast of uh, Wicked right now, playing on Broadway. So we have some you know, pretty well-known and and top-notch players working for us. Uh, but they want to try and get a few more of those and sing through the show, um, sing through the music and kind of introduce the music to the popular audience, to the to the population up there and get the, keep the buzz going. We've had some nice articles in uh, uh, Broadway News and Broadway World and Playbill uh, magazines, those uh, electronic magazines, I guess they are now, but that's where we have been uh, talked about. So we're hoping that it's going to be a big uh, hit one day. That's our plan. Well, Rumpelstiltskin is a uh, is a really interesting fairy tale. So that that sounds like a lot of fun to have, have as a musical. And I'm excited. I'm excited about that things are moving on it. Um, I'll try and put some links if I can to some of those articles uh, in, in the yeah, show. I'd be glad to send you this. That'd be great. And is there a place yet where people can actually go start looking at tickets or is that coming coming down the line? It will come down the line. December 6th is the day and it's going to be at a place called um, Green Room 42. Okay. A, a venue there in Midtown, just off, off of Broadway. All right. Uh, and a lot of shows, you know, do concert versions like this there. And so we're a good company. Okay. Well, I'll at least put a link in to, to, their, to their site um, and uh, hopefully... Once you have some specific link to it, we can get those out through Cersei's other avenues uh, in, in the coming Great. months. So this is exciting. Um, if you're listening and you are in the New York area, if you go to New York in December for w- Christmas or whatever it may be, uh, I hope you'll uh, uh, check it out. Uh, this would be a pretty unique opportunity to go hear songs before they kind of hit hit the big stage Uh so that's kind of a fun stage, a fun stage in the process to kind of. It's fun. Do you drop know, in. Many years ago, um, uh, Stephen Schwartz. Do you know who Stephen Schwartz is? He fellow who wrote Pippin and Godspell, and most okay. recently uh, his big hit Wicked, which has been on Broadway forever. Um, Stephen Schwartz came, did a kind of tour around the country with a couple of New York singers and himself playing the piano. And I uh, heard he was going to be in my neck of the woods here in Memphis. And so I went to see him, hear him uh, do his thing. And he sang, they had them sing some songs from the old shows like Godspell and Pippin and some others that are, everybody knows. But then he played some songs that were new. And he was talking about how he has this new musical coming out. And here are a few songs from it. And he had them sing, uh, had the girl sing Defying Gravity from Wicked. And it was one of the first times anybody had ever heard it. Huh. 
And that's Very kind cool. of where we are. Where, well, I'd like to think we are anyway, that we're at that position in the process that nobody knows these songs except the few actors that have been learning it and the small audiences that we've had for our workshops. Right. Uh, but this would be the one of the, the this December 6th thing would be the first time uh, where the New York public would be able to uh, hear our songs. And we're very excited about it. Well, we are too. So that's great. I hope everybody, will, I hope people will get a chance to check that out there if they have any, they're anywhere nearby. So, well, John, thanks for joining us again. This was a lot of fun doing the Firebird. Uh, I look forward to the next, next time we get to do it again. So let's do it again. Thanks right. for your help. Thank you all for joining us on Quiddity as we refreshed ourselves at Systems of Learning dug long ago, drawing from springs too deep for taint. You can send your comments and questions to podcast at searcyinstitute.org. And you can join the Quiddity conversation on the Searcy Circle at searcy.circle.so. Join us next week for another episode and be sure to check out the other shows on the Searcy Podcast Network.